0: Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday, February the 27th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, Tyler Owens, in the house, talking all things strength and conditioning. But before we jump into that... Real quick, just some housekeeping. Again, reminder, our 30 for 30 challenge is kicking off here in six days and a handful of hours. We actually start on March the 7th. You guys have until, I believe, Saturday sometime, March the 6th, or excuse me, March the 5th to register. Again, the site is jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge. Again, all we ask of you guys is 30 minutes each day for all 30 days. If you have a bench and some dumbbells, you guys can literally crush this program it doesn't matter what level you're at obviously the more advanced you are the more you're going to rip your face off in the healthiest obviously way possible we talk all the nutrition stuff in there we walk you guys through everything and it will give you something to do every single day and the protocols actually change week by week by week so if you're interested and you guys want a little podcast discount code hit us up we'll get that over to you Otherwise, the link is uh, live in our Instagram bio right now, and again, the site is live. It's jeremyscottfitness.com slash 30-30-challenge, and you kids already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day. Obviously, I'm a fan of eating real food, but if you guys struggle to do that, which a lot of people do struggle to get in at least five to six servings of greens every day, this would be the thing I would throw into your life. If you want to check it out right now, we'll give you guys a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get hooked up with that. If you've heard me talk about this a 100 times or maybe this is the first time you've heard it and you want to try it out, maybe you've heard about it before message us on the contact page, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can reach out to us, we will mail you a sample pack right to your front door to try 100% for free. That way you can see it is the best tasting greens out there and then get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. So again, don't feel like you can't reach out. We don't just say that as lip service. We literally send these packs all over the world and we'll continue to do so to kind of help you guys be a little bit healthier. So if you want to check it out, hit us up. Otherwise, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott and you guys are good to go. Whew. always a mouthful so we have Tyler Owens the director of strength and conditioning at the University of Arizona welcome my man
1: <laughs> Well, glad to be here
0: um so who is um who is Tyler Owens let's give them the um the origin story the upbringing as far back as you want to go it can be a couple years it can be
1: 30 years it's uh your call uh yeah so um honestly I just grew up um Playing sports in every everything sports football basketball baseball, uh, kind of year round. Uh, you know, started football when I was four years old. Crazy enough, um, and basically was just entrenched in that my whole life. Um, go through you know elementary middle school high school um, with doing nothing but playing playing sports um, year round. Travel basketball travel baseball football. Um, you know, I kind of get introduced to the weight room. Uh, later in high school um and basically just fall in love with it and just see uh, the transformation that it can have when you dedicate your time and effort into it and you know fell in love with it and decided it was a career i wanted to follow um and basically just uh took that route and you know it uh, was a big part of what i did while i was in college playing at alabama Um, Spent my four years there. Um, Fortunate to be a part of two national championships as a player and two SEC championships. Um, And then finished up my career as a player and jumped right in and started working in the weight room um, and spent uh, six to seven years in the weight room and a part of uh, three more national championships and and two more uh, SEC championships. Um, And then this past January, uh, 2021. Um, Coach Fish brought me uh brought me out to Arizona, and uh, started uh, leading the program out here at Arizona, and it's been uh, just completed first year, so uh, rolling right into year two. So, um, it's been nonstop. You know, I've been this is my what my entire life has been is just fu- just fully entrenched in sports and 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 then you know transition to the weight room side of things, and it's been uh, it's been a, a wild ride so far. So.
0: So when you're growing up, do you, when does football become like the sport you're like, well, I'm better at this than the rest of them?
1: Um, Honestly, it wasn't until going into my senior year of high school. Um, (laughs) You know, I love basketball. Uh, That was a big part of, of, uh, I played travel basketball. And then I kind of realized, you know, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to make it too far with my size and uh, stature. Um, Because how tall are you? Right at six foot. So. And how much you weigh? 220, 28, 215, 220,
0: so. Not the, not the typical uh, NBA prototype. Right, no. so
1: <laughs> so kind of realized that, and I was like, well, uh, I got to make a decision here, so. And honestly, the, the crazy thing was is um, right during that time was kind of when I uh, got introduced to the weight room and saw the, saw the importance that that can have and how it can help develop you physically and if you dedicate your time and effort in there. Uh, what it could do for you. And so I uh, kind of dropped basketball right before my senior year and really uh, just dedicated my time and effort into the weight room and uh, had a, a, pretty, a pretty solid senior year of football, um, which led me to my opportunity at Alabama. So um, I would say things ended up working out pretty well um, making that decision. So. And what, um, what position in uh
0: – high school did you play for football? Like multiple? or I mean, because um, I know a lot of times like kids will grow
1: up and, hey, I was the quarterback, I was the punter, I was whatever. Right, no, so I mean we, I was at a fairly big school. We were, we were 6A, which was the highest division at the time in Alabama. And uh, so I just played linebacker. You know, I played a little offense here and there, but for the most part it was strictly linebacker and uh, kind of kept that same thing when I went to Alabama. And like as a younger kid, you played, I'm sure, like multiple positions all across the field. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fullback, running back, DM, linebacker, whatever, wherever, uh, wherever they could put me for sure. And so you
0: start taking the strength and conditioning part like more serious. Like what does the training look like in high school? like when you start to really get into it, like a typical day, or maybe like what are, you know, how strong are you at the big lifts if we're going to go the traditional
1: bench, squat, deadlift, like those things? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, surprisingly, you know, it probably wasn't as big at the time. But, you know, I would say my middle school, high school career, we had a fairly uh, good uh, weight program, but I never really uh, dedicated myself to it. I just thought it was there. Um, And I was actually, you know – pretty strong, you know, I, I don't I don't remember exact numbers of what I did in high school. Um, but I would say when I kind of, you know, uh, dropped the other sports and really put my head down and, and, and worked um, in high school, I saw the payoff. Um, but, you know, high school, it's kind of just a supplement. Like it's, you know, you work out, you know, two, three times a week, but it's not necessarily, um, it wasn't at the time that important. Um, obviously, it's becoming more and more important these days with high, uh, with high school strength coaches and the way that the industry is going. But um, when I was in high school, it was you know two, three times a week, and it wasn't really stressed the importance of it. Um, you just did it because that's what they'd always done.
0: So And now in high schools, it's typically like a 180 almost. Right. I mean,
1: the industry is just crazy. I mean, they're, they're, they're hiring just strictly high school strength and conditioning coaches, which is wild to see. Um, how the industry is completely changing of there's high schools that are, that are paying and hiring um, top of the line strength coaches um, to train high, these high school kids.
0: Cause you probably had just whatever one of the football coaches is just right. like helping out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, It is crazy to see like, I'm thinking like college, like do we even have like a foam roller? Like I, is there even a foam roller in the building? Like right. I'm sure there is, but there's no emphasis <laughs> on mobility. It's just like, it's, And that's not that long ago. Like, we think of it as like, oh, it's 200 years ago. Like, no, it's like 10, 15 years ago. Like, it's kind of flipped around. Uh, On that same note, that same time frame, like diet-wise, like, how do you eat in high school? Is there an emphasis on that at all? Or you're just kind of like,
1: you know, fuck it, I'm eating whatever. No, I mean, I would say high school and even probably most of my early years of college, I mean, there was no (laughs) nutrition and diet plans were not even, you know, thought of, uh, which is crazy you know, my freshman year, uh, we got actually cut off of peanut butter and jellies in the facility because that was considered uh, a meal. Um, so um, now, you know, there's full-blown, you know, there's dietitians, there's chefs, there's nutritionists. Um, but, you know, my high school and college career, like the, the nutrition piece inside of things wasn't even, like, thought of. Um, and to see how that's adapted and changed and evolved over the course of even just the last five years has been um, unbelievable to see. It's crazy uh,
0: because Heather, my wife, used to do – she used to have ASU as one of, like, these major accounts, and they would have – when they'd travel, like, she'd see, like, what the football team, like, what the basketball team does and, like, the things they would request, like, from the catering departments from these hotels. I'm like, this is just shit. Yeah. Like, it's all, like, you know, mac and cheese, PB&Js. Like, again, I'm not saying you can't eat that stuff, but these are supposed to be – you know, obviously these are – you know the major power conferences and the kids just kind of eat garbage and you right. go out on the field and crush it, which is kind of cool to see that there is some education pieces around it. We had a kid here, uh, Jacob Wagner, he uh, did his internship or like when he was actually graduating from U of A, he was doing some of the nutrition stuff like with the football team down there. And he's just like, yeah, um, this is probably like six, seven years ago. He's like, yeah, some dudes care, right. but most of the dudes don't give a shit which is kind of crazy to see. So how do you end up at Alabama? Because that's basically like the pinnacle of of college football. Like how does even that – how does that come about?
1: Uh, um, Pretty crazy story, honestly. Uh, You know, uh, because I spent so much time with other sports and just my size and everything, I wasn't highly recruited um, um, early on in high school. Um, And then, you know, I was just an average high school player probably – you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year. Um, and and I, I kind of put to side like all the other sports and really dedicate my time and effort into football and end up having a, a, a really solid senior year. Um, but, you know, for most people that know college sports and college athletics, if you don't really get recruited off your senior year, you're typically recruited earlier on in your career in high school. So, uh, you know, I make it through my senior year and have uh, a pretty a pretty solid year. Um, you know, I, I think I lead the state uh, in tackles, set the state record or something in, to that nature, and start sending out highlight tapes and get a few offers um, from maybe a little smaller Division One programs. And, you know, I'm kind of stuck on, what, on where I'm going to go. And it's uh, late spring of my senior year of high school and, you know, end up getting asked uh, and kind of recruited to walk on at Alabama. And so, you know, just I really don't know what led me to there, um, what led me to Alabama. I just think it ended up being, you know, I I, I felt like it was the best decision. And so, you know, after getting asked to walk on, I decided to go there. And, you know, it was probably uh, some of the best four years of my life for sure.
0: Like how big of a difference going from obviously your high school, even if it is like, you know, a legit high school where, you know, you guys are, you know, it's not a – you know, some, like, nine-man football in the middle of nowhere,
1: going from that to walking into Alabama and practice? Um, I would say I had a pretty solid high school uh, structure and program, but I would just say the level of athlete um, that you're surrounded with was uh, was pretty mind-blowing. I mean, when you go and the smallest linebacker on the roster around me at the time, maybe a 6'2", 230, um, and then you look around the rest of the roster. I mean, I would say the so the level of athlete was probably the most uh, the most surprising thing was just how big and strong and and fast and physical every single person on the roster was, um, and then just uh, the the details of every aspect of the program, whether it be from film, whether it be from you know mental conditioning, whether it be from the strength and conditioning program. Um, so from every aspect of the program, you're kind of like, wow, there's not one stone that's left unturned. Um, so that was uh, that was a pretty cool thing to see. And obviously, Nick Saban's the head coach, right?
0: What is I mean, what's that like? I know obviously he's like this, you know, unicorn type like figure on TV. But obviously, you have a ton of coaches and a huge amount of staff. It's like uh, a buddy of like friends of ours that play college football. It always surprised me because he's like. I don't know everybody on the team, because well, he's like he's like I'm the quarterback, but I'm like I don't know the third string guy who's like a safety, right? Because there's just so many dudes, and I'm sure the coach like kind of knows everybody, but like can can you really right. when it's that big, right? And so what is it like 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 how is it like with him or like how much interaction is it with everybody or just with your each individual group? Because if you play in a basketball team, right, twelve guys, fifteen guys, one coach, you got some assistance, but like it's such this small net where football is so
1: at least from the outside when they see it so segmented? Um, I would say, uh, you know, relationship side is probably one of the biggest pieces. And obviously you have better and stronger relationships with maybe your position coach or, you know, certain guys in certain groups on the team. Um, but when it comes to, like, being around Coach Saban, I would say just the attention to detail and just, uh, you know, I would say daily excellence in the process he believes in is, is pretty impressive – Um, and it's like, you know, there's never a bad day. Every single day is important. And I think the lessons that you can learn just from being involved with the program is, was unbelievable. Um, I mean, the guy never, never has a bad day. Um, you know, every single day he showed up and demanded, you know, the best out of you. And I would say just the, the life lessons you learn and the lessons you learn to take on throughout the rest of your career, um, were some of the biggest things that I took from being involved was just, you know, the details of everything that matter. And when you focus on the details each day, um, the result that you end up getting out of that um, was pretty cool to see. I mean, cause he's, he's getting up there in age yeah. and
0: still like every day. And I always see, you know, these again, like him, like a Belichick where, or like a Popovich, like these dudes who have been around forever. And how do I put this politely? Like they're old as shit. Um, <laughs> you know, and they have so much money, yet they still show up and
1: just like they're they're on it every day. Right. It's got to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's really impressive to see, to be honest with you. And like, you know, I think it's just one of those things where like it's a strive about becoming the best you can be. I would say that's the number one goal of the program is just to become the best you can be. Um, and when you have that focus and we have that mentality, um, every day becomes important and the details of, every, of what you do become important. And it's just really cool to see um, when you can let that be your focus, uh, where it can lead you and where it can take you. So. Well, and like for those guys, I'm sure it's just like
0: it's legacy, right? Right. Because at this point they're just – you're stacking chips on top, right. on top, on top. Yeah. So when you're there and you're playing, you guys win the national championship twice, yeah. SEC twice. Your record is forty-eight and six. So basically, you almost always win. How is it when you lose? Because it's a rare thing, and like, is I mean, the I guess just the the aura around it, or how is the locker room, or and I'm sure it depends on on the loss itself, but there has to be like, fuck, we
1: lost, dude. Right. I I would say one big thing that we always talked about is not not letting a win or a loss define you. Um, so more so just looking back at what we did um, that caused the winner, the win, win of the loss, um, uh, and that was one thing that we always did. Like honestly, I think the the challenge of being a part of it was like honestly, most weeks you didn't really know if you won or lost because the. The, the process and the lessons that you learn each week uh, was about the same whether you win or lose. Now, obviously, you know, if you lose a national championship, it's a little, it stings a little more and hurts a little more, but, you know, um, in in the season, if you if we slip up and lose a game, um, you honestly didn't really know. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I mean, the players were a little more, you, you could see a little bit more energy at practice and in the weight room and whatever, uh, but, you know, from the coaching staff, every day was kind of evaluated the same, um, you know, and looked at uh, the, the same. So it was, that was – I think that was another cool part is, is like you're never really defined by a winner or loss. It's just looking at the lesson that you learn from each game or each practice or each day um, and trying to f- figure out what you need to do to fix that to, uh, to be better. Because it's one of the only
0: programs I would assume that everybody gets your best no matter what. Like it's not like you're – you know, you're not the go, you're not the gophers, you know, like, you're, you know, no offense to Minnesota, but you're, right. it's, just not like you're, you're, it's Alabama. It's, you know, and I want to say like the similar type schools, like the Ohio States, like the places where it's, you're just expected to win. And when people come, like they're trying to just, cause they beat you. That's a big deal. Right. You're supposed to beat them. Right. Is there like a pressure that anybody feels with that? Or just kind of like, this is just what we do.
1: Um, I would say it's it's more of just, this is what we do. I think that's why people go to Alabama is because yeah. they want that, they want that pressure, they want that, they want that title, and they want and and they want to have to you know be held to that standard. Um, so I think that's the type of players you typically see in there and get in there. And what's a kind of like
0: a day in the life, like when you're you're, you're playing, whether it's uh, maybe in season or something, like you know during the week and. Then- we can go like game day stuff later on, but it's like a, it's a Wednesday. Like you wake up, you go to class, like you have to lift, you go to practice film, like what does it look
1: like? So everybody, uh, their schedule is a little bit different depending on what school you're at, but you know, like Alabama's football block is from two to six. So like we like depend on the, well, we lift Monday and Thursday of a game week. You lift on a Monday, you lift on a Thursday, um, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, um Is just meetings and practice. So, you know, Monday you'll wake up, you'll have a lift early in the morning, you'll have class, and then you get up there at 2 o'clock, basically Monday through Thursday. You have meetings from 2 to 3 15, 3 30. Then you're on the field, basically from 3 30 5 36. And then dinner, um, study hall, and then, um you know, cl- cash out for the night and then on to the next day. And then Tuesday, two o'clock meetings, 315, 3.30 on the field till about three five thirty, six o'clock, and then basically that's the flow of the whole week. Then you'll get another morning lift on Thursday, um, and then two o'clock meetings and uh, three thirty or three thirty four o'clock on the field till five thirty six, and then so most days look pretty similar, um, just with a lift thrown in there on Monday and Thursday. So, and then when you guys travel, like, how does it kind of work with the school stuff? Um, typically, you travel on Fridays, yep. Uh So. You know, you get as much of your school done in the morning depending on how far the travel is. Um, so you c- hit classes Friday morning. Um, and then if you have to miss, uh, you know, if you have a later class Friday, but they usually try to schedule your Friday schedules around. And then uh, depending on if it's a home a- home game, away game, uh, depends on how early you leave, um, have meetings, walkthroughs, and then you get on the plane and, and head to wherever you're going to play that, that weekend. So it's like a good job. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely – I mean, I think that's, what's, uh, you know, the part that a lot of people don't understand is, is you know, the hours and the demand of college football um, on top of classes and school is definitely uh, extremely demanding. Um, you know, playing on Saturdays, then Sunday you get back, you're usually in the training room, um, you're doing some sort of re- rehab recovery or treatment, and then Monday it's right back at it until next week. And then, you know, you roll through that for the entire season with the stresses and the pressures of a, of a game on Saturdays and then – you know, you get through that, and then January, February, you crank up the off season, you roll all the way through back till you get to the season. So, uh, it's definitely nonstop. I think that's the, a little bit of the fun part about it, but um, it's definitely a full-time job that's high demand. Well, yeah, and obviously, the the better the program is, the the more the expectations
0: are, because it's it's a giant business. Right. Like, if you, I mean, people have these arguments, uh, whatever you know, like some of these coaches' salaries six, seven, eight, nine million dollars. <laughs> And they're like, oh, the dude's overpaid. He's just coaching football. And in one reality, sure, I understand that. I go, but in the business world reality, I'm like, he's probably underpaid. And I say that because I'm like, can you fire Nick Saban and get someone else to come in there and do the exact same thing the way he's doing it? I'm like, you probably can't. Right. And that dude and that program is generating so much fucking money. They're the most important thing at the school. Like, it's a weird thing to say where – and I don't mean this negatively to anybody, but, like, they're more important financially than any professor ever would be.
1: <laughs> I mean, you think about it, right?
0: Right, Because, right. like, they're generate like, that's what funds – typically, if people don't know this, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, most of these major schools, the football team and sometimes the basketball team are the only two programs that actually generate revenue. That's right. And typically, the football program basically funds – the volleyball, the golf, the track right, and field, everything. Right. So I think sometimes people get confused, like, well, why are these guys making this money? I'm like, well, because it's like you at your job. If you can produce four million, they can pay you four hundred thousand. Right. So I sometimes argue, like, well, maybe the dudes are underpaid right. because, like, what what they're you can't <laughs> replicate what, And it's crazy to say that, but you can't replicate what they do. Right. Right. Uh, so moving gears, uh, what is a, like a game day like? Like when you guys play, like Auburn or something. Because like on TV from the Midwest again, like we have it too, like the tailgating stuff. But to me, when you watch the SEC, it's like this cult. Almost, <laughs> it really seems like right. that. Where, I mean, you see, it's like it's LSU, it's Alabama. These guys are, you know, ten parking lots deep. These people are, you know, camped out for, you know, two fucking days, and they're just going berserk. Where, you know, in the Midwest, like we have the Vikings are the thing. Like right. we have pro sports. You guys don't have the pro sports, right? This is your pro sports. Right. And they go so hard. So like for you guys, when you play like an Auburn or like an LSU or somebody like, what is that kind of like, whether it's home
1: or away? I would say the game day environment is uh, pretty insane. Um, you know, like you said, there's not a pro team in Alabama. So, you know, Alabama, Auburn get the spotlight of that. Um, which, you know, the passion and the intensity of the fans is, is, is really cool to see. And really just all over SEC and all over college football, the passion and the the intensity of the fans is really cool. So, I mean, you know, for us, we're uh, the team is at the hotel, you know, all day, whether it's home or away, we're at the hotel, depending on what time the game is. You know, we do our walkthroughs, we have our pregame meals, the whole deal. But then, you know, when you're riding the bus, you know, to the to the stadium and you see all the tailgating and you see all the – all the all the fans. It's uh it's really cool to see. And then just once you get in the stadium, the energy and the and the the atmosphere is something really really special that I think makes the game um what uh what it is. Because you can never replicate that. No, I mean, uh, COVID year uh twenty twenty was was uh, a crazy year to be a part of. Um, just going from the the energy and the 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 atmosphere of the stadiums and the tailgates and the fans to kind of half full stadiums it was uh it was definitely a weird thing to be a part of um and i think it just shows how special the fans are at, to the to the atmosphere and to to the sport um because that year i think it just it makes you uh be grateful for <laughs> for the fan support and the energy and the atmosphere that it brings um with with all those people there so
0: well, yeah, because when we'd watch on TV, even like, I'm like, I don't even want to watch this. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's complete. It, it feels like a different sport almost, just without, without the support, without the fans. I mean, it's crazy.
0: Well, even like, I remember, I, I watched probably so little sports during that time. I still don't watch as much as I used to, but I remember watching like the NBA in the bubble and right. they have like the screens up and I'm like, this sucks, dude. Yeah. Like, I watched the finals, but the playoff games, I'm like, this just seems weird to me. Yeah. Like, I wasn't a fan. So, like, uh, obviously, like the game days are nuts. Like is the national championship games any more crazy? Like, is there a different kind of like, like, hey, dude, like this
1: could be? I mean, I think you feel the pressure. Um, I think you feel the the intensity of it. Um, I think everything is ratcheted up, ramped up a little bit just from the intensity and just all the expectations. Um, but you try to keep it. I mean, you know, at least for my time at Alabama, you try to you try to keep it as 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 similar as possible. But you can definitely feel the energy, the intensity, the excitement uh, of that game compared, comparatively to to maybe, uh, you know, a regular season game. But, you know, in the SEC, there's a lot of big games. There's a lot in, you know, the SEC championships, probably you feel some of that same intensity and energy and everything else. So, uh, but no, I mean, I definitely think it's special, um, just uh, being a part of a game like that and the the atmosphere and, and, and the intensity of of the players' focus and the team's focus. So, and like, do you
0: obviously now that you coach and you've been coaching for a while, do you try to tell these kids like, "Hey, dude, like, just appreciate this because it's never coming back."
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think we like again, like I think a big part of of it was like trying to uh, just be in the moment and you know not think about all the outside factors, external factors, and just like. You know, kind of be in the moment as much as you can um, and just take it all in uh, because it is such special and it is so difficult to get there uh, each and every year. Well,
0: and I watch sometimes, like, and again, I'll say, like, let's well, college kicking versus NFL kicking. It's, right. it's a big difference. Right. Uh, and you see these kids come in there, and, you know, maybe he's a scholarship kid, maybe he's not. If for some reason, sometimes I feel like they just picked some kid off the street to come kick field goals. <laughs> and this kid comes in and just shits the bed. And now with social media, just gets roasted. Right. And I always think to myself, I'm like, if this kid misses this field goal, I'm like, can he even go back to the dorms tonight? Right. Like, I wonder, like, do you guys – is there any conversation about that? Like, do you guys see it with people? And obviously, because now it's like they people treat it like it's pro sports. Right. And if, you know, someone has a shit game, like, they get murdered right. on the Internet. Like, how – is there anybody that talks about that? Or do you guys deal with it? Or just like, hey, here's what it is? Yeah, no,
1: I mean, I think, uh, you know, like you said, um, college sports, there's so many people involved with the program. Uh, so we have, like, sports psychologists. We have a whole team of people that, you know, basically try to help help the the athletes any way possible. So we definitely have sports psychologists that try to help deal with some of these things. And obviously we try to coach our, coach the guys up on, you know, being smart about social media in season and, and paying attention to fans and outside of pe- people's opinions and thoughts. Um, so, because that's exactly what they are—is just outside people. So, just you know, really trying to coach them up because they're always going to be there. I mean, even if you, even if it might not be a missed field goal or a, a missed tackle, like they're always going to be there every game. Now, obviously, if it, the bigger the game, the probably louder those voices get. But you know, we all—I it, think it's a constant with this day and time of of trying to coach guys up on not paying attention to you know outside noise, outside people, you know, giving their thoughts and opinions. So, which is definitely a challenge with the with the social media these days and how much people, you know, again, it's kind of just like what we talked about earlier, the passion of the fans, you know, if their team doesn't win, if 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 it leads to a bad result, you know, fans are upset and 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 come come leave rude comments. So, yeah, just trying to coach them up to not pay attention to some of those things. Yeah, well, it would be tough
0: cuz I I mean, I'll use the Vikings as the example because I've been a Vikings fan forever. You're just born in Minnesota, it's your curse, right? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I remember it was they're playing the Seahawks in the Gophers Stadium as they're building their new one, which so it's outside. And it's, you know, negative like seven degrees. And it's a playoff game. Blair Walsh misses a field goal from like 26 yards. And then for the next two weeks, I have everybody that I know on Facebook is out at their high school field you know, shoveling off some area and they're like, Look, I can kick a field goal from twenty six yards. I go, Bro, this is your nineteenth attempt and you made one and you filmed it. I'm like, you're not in the NFL <laughs> playoff game. It's right. And so I think you some of you hear these fans be like, Well, I could have completed that pass or I could have done right. this. I'm like, No, 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 you couldn't have done any of those things. I just I think it, it's it's gotta be tougher, obviously and I think it only gets worse as college football gets bigger, social media gets bigger. Right. Um it'd be tough to be a kid. It's cool when you're winning. For sure, right. <laughs> uh, but when you eat shit, man, I guess it's got to yeah. be probably rough. Uh, in terms of using other programs too, like is just the is there like a huge culture difference between like when you're at Alabama or maybe some other places you either interviewed at or have been to or seen? Is there like one main thing that, that they do different? Because like they're all obviously they get some of the best talent, but a lot of programs get like really good talent. Like what? Why are they just kind of like this
1: notch above everybody else? Um, I would say probably just Coach Saban and the demand for excellence he has there. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think he's the – that that program is a great example of, you know, yeah, it's about talent get good players, but it's also about, you know, um, culture and the standard you, you, you accept because, you know, there's a lot of places with talent. There's a lot of places with good football players. There's a lot of good football players all over the country. But it's about, you know, building a culture and a standard and a team that, uh, that is bought into whatever your your process is, bought into whatever your your belief and value system is for your team and your program. And it's really just the teams that do that the best, um, usually the ones that have the most success. Because you have so many dudes who are so good and get them to well, – because, again, you're,
0: you're getting every guy who was the guy. Right. And now he's in a room full of all those dudes. Right. And it's a lot of egos and shit. Sure. Right. That's got to be tough too, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, so what is the – the training look like in college like the normal like your kind of strength and conditioning program that the that you guys would go through
1: yeah so I mean like uh you know at Arizona we'll uh like if you start off the year in January um depending on when you finished your last game the year before you know we'll start the off season sometime early January and basically you know some, some some guys go three days a week, uh, you know, lifting or whatever. But, you know, for us, we'll, we'll, we'll typically start the year and go four days a week lifting um, uh, with a traditional somewhat upper-lower split and with probably two two to possibly three days, you know, running. And then as we go through the offseason, uh, more towards the back end of that offseason, we'll have the back end the last three to four weeks. We'll – We'll transition to three days a week, lifting more total body um, with four days a week uh, on field running. Um, and then we'll have usually our spring break and then we'll come back and we'll do uh, spring ball. And during spring ball, you typically lift on the days you don't practice. So we'll go through basically March, April ish um, and go through and we'll basically practice every other day um, with um, scrimmages on Saturdays. And then we'll uh, lift on the days in between and then, typically, you get uh, the month of May off. Uh, obviously, everybody's calendar is a little different, but most for the most part, um, most people get May off, and then we come back um, right after Memorial Day, and then we'll start training for the summer, uh, kind of just like you do in the off-season, four days a week um, in the weight room. Um, and then, uh, uh, about two to three days, actually in the summer we're typically always four days on field, so we'll be on field four days, lifting lifting four days, and then in July we'll crank up some of the running and back down on the lifting a little bit and go three days a week lifting, four days on the field, and then you hit August and it's uh, two to three, two, about two and a half weeks of camp, and then school starts, and then you're game prep mode and you late August all the way through December, January, you're uh, in season. And, and in season you train about, uh, to the guy uh, like your starters or your guys that play will, will train two times. Um, and you typically try to train your development guys like three, um, four, if you can squeeze one more in. So what does, um, is the
0: training protocols look different based on position I'm assuming?
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, like for us at Arizona, we try to, we try to individualize and be very specific about every single guy. Um, obviously, you know, the sport itself, and then positionally itself, has different demands. So we try to be uh, take to account what those demands are, and what and, and what each player needs, and what each position group needs, and kind of build our program based off that. And you know, each year it adapts and evolves depending on what we're seeing, what each what I mean, each guy's going to need something different as you progress and develop them, and then you know each year, you know, your team may have different needs. So if you're just sitting there putting the same program in play year after year, um, you, n- you may not be meeting the needs of what that guy or that team needs. So it kind of is adapting and evolving year to year, but I would say the structure and the foundation of it is pretty similar from year to year.
0: And you have a handful of coaches that work
1: with you? Yeah, so um, in college football, you're allowed basically five um, full-time football strength coaches, That me being the head guy and then four assistants. Um, so that's, that's currently what we have. Uh, I have four other assistants and then, uh, you know, I lead the department in the program.
0: And what's the goal when these guys come to you? Is it, hey, we want these guys to be the strongest and fastest dudes possible, or is it injury prevention or is it like a mix of
1: both, or does it depend on obviously the person? Um, I would say, uh, you know um, – the the main goal obviously is if they're not on the field on saturdays we're not doing our job so i mean i would say i guess you have to put in importance on you know being healthy um you know so i think that's the foundation of it and then just building resilient tough athletes you know through you know your exercise selection and through your program and obviously we want to make fast explosive football players so you know i would say Staying healthy and building fast, explosive football players is our main focus. Um, and then, you know, we develop programs uh, based off that. And what, um, like, a,
0: like a generalization, like what's the, what are the lifts, you know, the, the big main core lifts you guys focus on? What are the, uh, the kind of rep ranges, I guess, uh, whether it's, you know, before season and then obviously like in
1: season two? Um, obviously in the off season you're doing a little bit more volume, but I would say our main lifts are, you know, your tip. uh, We're not going to do anything crazy. Like we're going to do your typical hand clean, power clean, some of your Olympic based stuff. Then we're obviously going to do some squat variations. Um, but I, I would say football is a power sport. Um, so we train everything for power. So that's our, our rep and our, our rep range and our volume is based off chasing power. So, um, you know, we're we're never really going to go over on our main on our main list. We're never typically going to go over five reps, six reps. Um, we're going to get more of our volume through sets um, um, rather than reps because um, you can maximize their intent um, and how fast the bar moves. So that's one of our big focuses is on is on intent um, um, in every movement and not just doing a lift just to do it but have maximum intent and effort in every rep, rep that you do. And then, like I said, our met, we're going to do – you know, we're going to bench. We're going to do a variation of bench. You know, it might be barbell bench, it might be football bar bench, it might be speed bench, um, incline, dumbbell incline, d- uh, dumbbell bench. Um, you know, all your typical movements. Um, But, you know, we'll do a little variation, whether it be with the bar or banded or speed. Um, You know, we'll do hand clean, power clean, push press, all the different variations. Um, But I would say just, again, just having, like, our foundation is squat, hand clean, power clean, and bench. But we'll do a lot of different variations through that. And some of these guys that come to you,
0: I'm sure they have no clue what they're doing, or do they have a decent base built?
1: Um. It's actually surprising, kind of like what I said earlier. Is the is the importance it's, that's getting placed on in high school now? Obviously, you have your guys that that have it that don't have a great um, weightlifting background, but it's actually uh, I feel like improving year to year because high schools are now actually employing strength and conditioning coaches. So I feel like uh, honestly, there's some foundational background uh, by majority of guys. Now you'll have your handful that don't have necessarily a huge background or don't know what they're doing but for the most part most guys uh have a background i think the the challenge is 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 uh teaching them um your way your philosophy um and getting them out of old bad habits of moving that's the bit that's the bigger challenge oh
0: yeah just the mechanics of because these are complex patterns obviously with the barbell for sure because you can get hurt right doing some really stupid stuff and you see guys who are like "Ah, i'm this strong I can, you know, back squat, you know, 250 and then we give them a sandbag that's hundred pounds and they fold like a lawn chair and I'm like, right. well, can you, can you really though? <laughs> right. So I'm sure you guys obviously see some of that too. Uh, the nutrition piece, like, do you guys, how much do you drill it down their throats now? Um, or do you just kind of like, you clean up some of the stuff and then just tell them to, to do the best or do you have like a dedicated person who's like, Hey, here's what you're supposed to do. And let's try to adhere to,
1: you know, this type of eating protocol. Um, So we have a, um, what's crazy is, is now we have a whole high performance team. So that includes the athletic trainer, me, the sports psychologist, and a nutritionist. Um, So, you know, I would say nutrition is becoming more and more and more a priority and an emphasis of what we do. Um, And, you know, at Arizona, we're building a full on, you know, team of nutritionists, dietitians, et cetera. And, you know, I would say every day. Uh, It's a process of trying to get to educate these guys on on eating the right things, hydrating and putting the right things in their body. Uh, Because, you know, most of these guys have been 18, 19 years of probably no plan, no thought, no anything into their diet or nutrition. And then over the course of a year to four years, you're trying to change those habits and routines um, nutritionally which is probably one of the hardest things you have to do. but so I think it's a daily process of trying to educate them and give them tips right. of of what to eat, when to eat, um, you know, how to hydrate, how to do all these things um, with a with a demanding schedule like college football demands of you. So uh, I would say across college football it is becoming, uh, probably one of the most important things um, where people are trying to get their edge, whether whether it be through having some of the best dining halls and food selections in front of these kids, having chefs, having nutritionists and dietitians. I would say it's becoming a huge piece um, along with all, all the other things, college football. Because I'm sure, like, even at uh, University of Arizona,
0: like, the food selection now is way better than it was five years ago.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, <laughs> my freshman year of college, Um, we got shut down uh, peanut butter and jellies because it was considered a meal. And now, you know, you can essentially provide as much as you want or as much as your university allows through your resources. So, I mean, the food selection now is unbelievable. And every day I'm just amazed at, you know, the resources that these kids have in front of them. And it's like it's our job to try to educate them and show them um, what's going to help them uh, perform and live and have the most healthy life. And so I would say, like I said, it's 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 an 18, 19 year habit we're trying to break. Because for the most part, most of these kids haven't had any uh, nutrition education prior to coming to college. You know, maybe a few, but for the most part, it's trying to uh, educate them on the right things to put in their body. So. And like when you guys are on the road, uh, what do you do food-wise typically? So we're typically in a hotel, and honestly, we try to keep the Friday night meal. Uh, you know, depending on how late in the day we play Saturday, whether it be Saturday pregame or Saturday breakfast, and then pregame. We try to keep those meals as, as as similar as possible, and then obviously, you know, make them extremely high quality and nutrient dense and st- and, and the best of uh options that are going to help them perform on Saturday. So, you know, some like obviously have having to do with nutrient timing with certain carbs and proteins. Um, but, yeah, we try, to, we try to make it easy, digestible foods and stuff that the guys will eat and like um, that will set them up for success on Saturdays. And then what does,
0: um, like, the mobility recovery stuff look like? Like, how much time do you guys spend, like, whether it's on movement prep or is it dedicated, like, soft tissue work? Or how do you kind of build that into
1: what they do? So, I would say we do uh, movement prep, mobility, probably every time we come in the weight room to run or lift. Um, we're doing some mobility. We're doing movements. We're doing flexibility, mobility, the whole – everything we can get into. Um, and then, obviously, in season it becomes even more of importance um, from a recovery standpoint because of the demands football has on you. So, I would say, you know, as you get into football, the soft tissue work, the soft tissue prep just increases. Um, and then in the off season, you know, uh, as a part of our warm up, we're going to do some movement prep. We're going to do mobility. We're going to do all of that stuff. I would say year round because the better movers you are, the better, the better it's going to help you on the football field, the better it's going to help you when you train and to get more out of your training. So it's definitely a piece that is, uh, of high importance for us. And we try to get better at it, um, each, each, each week.
0: And when you say you're, like, running on the field, like, what do the running protocols look like? Are these guys going to running, like, five miles? Are they running sprints? Are these intervals, gassers? Like, what's the breakdown?
1: Um, So, like I said, football is a power sport. And, you know, if you look at the – basically we just try to look at the game and work backwards from it. Um, You know, each play is about five to seven seconds max, and then you have 30 to 40 seconds in between. So, you know, we try to make, like I said, the most fast, explosive athletes as we can. So we'll typically in the off season have a max velocity day, uh, working on top speed, top speed mechanics, sprinting, all those type things. And then we'll have a change of direction day, basically what, what I like to call harnessing that speed um, and putting that speed to use in a football-specific setting through change of direction work. And then our next our next day on field will be typically Thursday. We'll do acceleration work, which is kind of more specific to what football is. And so we'll do some acceleration sprint work, which is more shorter distance, um, chain sprints, resisted sprints to free sprints, a bunch of different contrast variations. And then uh, and then on Friday we'll do some different variations of conditioning, whether it be through circuits, whether it be through, um, you know, intervals, whatever. Um, Fridays typically are conditioning day at the end of the week. So these guys kind of go through everything. Yeah, so try to basically expose them to a little bit of everything because you're going to need a little bit of everything through the course of a football game. Obviously, you've got to be conditioned to be able to play, you know, a 60-minute four-quarter game. You've also got to have some change change of direction, agility, c- capacity, and you've obviously got to be able to sprint and be fast and explosive because um, those are usually the guys that have the most, ex- most success on the field. And so saying that, like what's um – like some of the biggest freaks.
0: If you remember like one or two people maybe from either like when you're playing or even coaching where you're like, yeah, this these these dudes are just they're different than than then we are.
1: If I look back at Alabama, I mean I could go I mean I don't know that I could uh single I don't know that I could single guys out cuz there is, I mean, it's like every year you have 10, 15 guys that are you're just I mean it's 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 really impressive. I mean, I could go down the list of, you know, Derrick Henry, O.J. Howard, Amari Cooper, Josh Jacobs. I mean, it's just like freaks. Of, just freaks. I mean, Calvin Ridley. You know, like speed wise, Devontae Smith, and I mean, strength yeah. wise. yeah. I mean, just the things that you can watch these guys do. It is. I mean, I could I could just go down the list. And like, really, honestly, each and every one of these guys are freaks in their own way. Um, like, I would I wouldn't say that they're all like you all look at them and be like, wow, they all have like blow you away with some just in different aspects so I mean like then you have I mean you don't even think about some of the O-linemen and D-linemen the way they can move and run and jump and change directions I mean it's like it's uh it's really impressive and you see why they're playing and having success at the next level the way they are well and that's the guy at home watching because
0: everybody's a freak out there right but then there's like uncommon people that are even uncommon among them where you're like okay this guy like when you watch the NFL and you're like uh like Tyree Kill or something right you're like, this the dude doesn't – he's not moving normal. Right. Like, he's just got a different gear. Or, like, I think, like, way back, like, Randy Moss or the Chris Johnsons, you're like – or Dion. You're like, yeah, these dudes are just a little something different, even inside of that. Right. And you get to see it all the time. Because most programs don't have that.
1: Right. right. I mean, you see Jalen Waddle and how fast he was with that kid. I mean, like, it's just – one after the next. Like, you're just – I mean, you really see what an elite first-round NFL draft athlete looks like and it's what they can do is really really impressive
0: and it's like the dudes work hard obviously but there's just they have something given to them that you do not have right and there's nothing you can do right like i always joke with the randy moss quote like they did the whole like uh you know it's almost like the 30 for 30 but it was on the vikings uh, i think it was the 99 season where they shit the bet against the falcons and then obviously the falcons end up losing to the rams in the super bowl but moss is out there just like i mean killing everybody and he's out on the field, he's got his gloves, obviously, the strapped to his face mask. And, like, you're going know, to stretch, Randy? He's like, 84 doesn't stretch. He's <laughs> like, uh, I came out I came out the womb ready. That's why my mom had me. And I'm like, but he's dead fucking serious. Right. Because he's not stretching. Right. And then he goes out against the Cowboys and has, like, four catches for four touchdowns and 250 yards. And I'm like, what is that? just different. Man. Like, you, you can't. You can't teach that. That's right. There's no lift for that at all.
1: That's right. Yeah, so most of the time it's me just trying to not mess some of these guys up. Uh there's no doubt.
0: Well yeah, because you're not making them like faster essentially. Right. Like they just have this thing. Your goal is to just try to harness it and make sure it it makes it onto the field. Right. So what's the biggest difference between, you know, playing for a team and then obviously
1: working for the team? Um I would say just like uh uh, the leadership standpoint, management standpoint of all the things that you have to manage between managing your staff, managing the players, managing the football staff, um, you know. But I would say there's a lot of similarities um, for sure just in terms of like being a part of a team, being in the locker room, having those relationships. I would say that's what makes it so fun and special is is like, like I said, I've kind of been a part of sports since I was four years old. And so when when you get to do this job, I think that's the fun and exciting part. Is you you're kind of still a part of a team, um, like I have been since I was four years old. So I would say just the challenge and the difference is is just is just the leadership standpoint of having to to, to manage um, all those different aspects of things and and make a little bit different decisions, um, other than just the decisions that you would make as a player, as opposed to being in a leadership role in a management role of trying to lead and manage um different people. And then
0: let's do the um like the good the bad the ugly of, you know, kind of being a GA or like the lower assistant on the coaching tree because you don't start off in this right job. You graduate college and then what's the what's the progression for you?
1: Um so yeah, I was a I was an intern. Um and I had to I had to actually uh the bad was, you know, I'm, I'm I was in an apartment obviously living, you know, Going to school, enjoying being a part of the football team, and then it's like you almost start over. Uh, so I move into the dorm as a college graduate, um, basically making no money, um, and you you know you're living in a freaking college dorm with a bunch of freshmen, um, and working. You know, I mean, I don't. I, my hours were I would get there at four, four thirty in the morning, and sometimes not leave till nine, ten o'clock at night. Uh, working multiple sports, you know. Oh, you do everything. Yeah, you know, helped with baseball, helped with uh, rowing, you know, a bunch of different sports uh, along with football. Um, And basically it was just, you know, you sleep in the dorm and then you wake up and then you're there all day every day and then you go back home and you sleep and you do it again. And it's like, you know, I think the mental challenge of that uh, is definitely demanding. I mean, you just – you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know when you're going to get an opportunity to kind of at least uh, move forward. And then, fortunate for me, you know, I kind of did that for about a year and a half, um, maybe two years, and then uh, you know, get to move out of there, and then, and then, you know, I kind of shrink down to just doing football um, and helping baseball, and then I get an assistant role where I'm just doing football. Get moved into the assistant role where I'm just doing football. And I would say the demand was the same but different. Um, you know, you're not dealing with three or four sports and assisting and doing everything you can to get an opportunity. Um, you kind of spend all your energy and effort on just football. And so you kind of have a little bit different schedule. But I would say your energy and effort still spent the same, just directed in a different direction towards football. Um, and then you take you go from being an assistant um, and kind of serving your, your – your director and your boss and and the players to becoming the director. And then, you know, it's a whole different thing. Now you're managing your staff. Now you're managing the players. Now you're managing relationships with the football staff and the head coach. Um, And essentially I feel like, you know, I'm probably working uh, the same – a lot of the same hours. Uh, Maybe at times not quite as much. Um, But I would say just the lessons that that I learned those first two, two two and a half years – uh, as an intern, or some la- lessons that I'll never forget, um, and just the the work ethic and the the energy and the effort that it took to give me the opportunity that I have now, um, are are things that stick out to me most. As when I think back to to those times because it was definitely a, a challenge and days that I, I did not want to, you know, continue on. I didn't know if I, if this career was for me, uh, you know, with that kind of hours, that kind of situation and set up. And I just, you know, tried to keep my head down and keep working. And, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, I had a great opportunity to come to Arizona. So for at least two years
0: or give or take, you're working essentially every day, every night. And I'm sure like there's a time where maybe you can take a vacation or you right. can go somewhere a little bit, but for no money, yeah, and you're I mean, living in a dorm. How old are you? Like you're 22, 23, 24. Yeah, and your other friends probably have gotten jobs yeah. where they're making five times what you make, right? Maybe more. Uh, why do you why you why do you keep doing it? I mean, because there has to be days where, like you mentioned, like we're just like, "Fuck, dude, this sucks."
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that you know over the course of those two years, there was a lot of times where I. uh you know, wondered if uh, I should keep going down the path, the path. Um, But honestly, I just, you know, I, it was something I was passionate about and something I believed in. I believe that, you know, if I just, the, to be honest, the, the, the daily, you know, when I was with a team, when I was coaching, when I was, you know, spending time with the, with the athletes, you know, I think that's where you get your energy and you get your, your passion from is like whenever you get to that point, I think it's the, the other details of things and the, and some of the setup and breakdown and cleaning and all that stuff. That's, you're just like, man, this is, this is tough. And but it's like, whenever you get with the team and with the players, you, you, it kind of keeps you motivated and keeps pushing you forward. Um, to To continue on the path because uh, you know that that was the fun part. Uh, it's just like you had to get there. Um, so the all the other stuff is what, what what made it challenging. So,
0: well, and you're doing it at Alabama, right. and Not at some program that's eaten major shit. So right. it's Probably. A little- so
1: it made it. A, I, I will have to say, you know, there's guys out there that probably had a little bit rougher than me. Because fortunately for me, you know, I was at Alabama. Um, but I would say the hours and the, and the being in the dorm and all that setup was still challenging. Don't get me wrong. There's other guys out there that have went through probably, um, as demanding or more demanding of a situation than me.
0: So how many years until you actually like make like kind of okay money to like live your life?
1: Um, I would say it took me about two and a half to three years, um, before I even got like. Before, and I was still making significantly less than most of my friends making, my, uh, you know, and just in a normal nine-to-five job. Um, it was more towards the back end of my time in Alabama that I would say I was making a normal college, like post-college salary. So, you know, uh, I went to school four years, you know, got certifications, got all these things. And it was probably, you know, five, six, seven years post-college um before i uh you know was making money that most people would be like oh i went to college that's about what i should be making so it was definitely a grind and challenging
0: because there's very few people that would do that right and i think there's kids listening here there's a lot of fitness people uh who are listening and i obviously we all eat shit at some point um i did just like you but yours sounds yours just sounds longer
1: yeah, the 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 I will say I mean and and that's a lot of the the strength and conditioning background is is you know there's people that have probably went longer than I than I had to go um, I feel like I had a pretty uh, pretty solid course um, you know the first few years were definitely challenging um, but I was fortunate to land uh, an assistant spot somewhat quickly um, but there's definitely a lot of people in the strength and conditioning business that you know jump from GA to GA to intern to intern and never can land that. Um, assistant position so I would definitely say that the strength and conditioning route in college sports is very mentally and physically demanding and challenging and uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart because it's uh, it's I mean even when you get to my position uh, you know the demands are non-stop Um, so well and again there's if you're starting
0: there's no money right it's not glamorous Nobody gives a shit about you. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's the truth. You're the lowest fucking dude. And you're essentially... Well, so, like, when I'm in college, I graduate, I like, do GA stuff. And I remember... The head coach at the time he's like yeah i was at chaminade before right and he's like oh, oh chaminade it's awesome it's in hawaii and he was he did his ga at um at south dakota then he goes to the Morningside, then he goes here and he's like the number one assistant essentially at chaminade which for people listening is like it's in hawaii it's a good division two program they play they have their own tournament it's super popular he goes uh i was mopping floors mm. basically what the fuck i was doing right like i was doing the laundry right and i'm like you're the number two guy at this place doing and I'm like it's a very like to me carnival lifestyle unless you're like solidified in a place where it's just these jobs don't pay great and you really have to like love it right like and be crazy because what normal person would graduate college whether it's they paid for it or got it paid for or not and then oh here's a job making 10 grand a year and oh by the way you work 100 hours a week
1: right yeah, I mean I would definitely I tell everybody um that I know that ever considers uh the college strength and conditioning realm that it it's not for everybody. It's really not. Um you know, and I think it takes and honestly it takes some people going down the path to realize um that it's not for everybody and it's definitely something you have to truly love and be passionate about um because, you know, it's it's demanding, it's challenging. And I would even say, you know, even as you work your way up the ladder, um, it's it's as demanding. Now you get rewarded uh, more and more as you work your way up. But um, they expect more. Yeah, right. Exactly right. So, um, you know, you definitely have to love it. And I tell every single person that asks me, man, it's not for everybody. It's just not. And you have to be passionate. You have to love it. You have to enjoy it. Or you're, you're going to fizzle out because of the demand. Um, essentially at all times, that it requires of you. And if you're with a head coach, like if the head coach goes, like then do you go? Right. So, I mean, if a head coach gets fired, you get fired. And then, you know, I think you're the, the ultimate goal is finding a head coach that believes in you and supports you, like I was fortunate enough to find at Arizona and, you know, to bring you on. And, you know, I think you have to work hand-in-hand hand with that head coach to – to build a program and you know hopefully that leads to success but again if it were not then you know most more times than not then you're out along with the head coach so and it's
0: not like there's that many legit jobs right you can get because what is there 300 and some division one programs give or take right there's more schools for sure but like as it goes down the list those jobs get less glamorous one by one by one right so how do you end up at
1: u of a then um pretty crazy story honestly so uh I tell everybody that asked me the the, basically the same thing that it was kind of like a godsend uh one of my really good buddies Ted Rath who's the director of performance for the Eagles um worked with our head coach Jed Fish at the LA Rams and uh they had a great relationship and when coach Fish got this job at Arizona last January um I guess he reached out to um Ted asking him you know if he had any names for a strength coach and you know um you know, fortunate for me, Ted Rath uh, um, suggested my name to him. And crazy, crazy story is, is we're actually preparing for the national championship in 2020. Um, we had, we had just gotten back from the Notre Dame game, the playoff game, and Coach Fish calls me, and we have a. I mean, we, we never. I've never met him. We'd never had any prior conversation he starts talking and I'm like filling in his sentences. I start talking, he's filling in my sentences. And it's like, when you, you just knew that we see the way a program should be built and a culture that should be built um, just aligned perfectly. And it was just like, man, there's, this is a no brainer. Um, just when we had that conversation, we talked and it was just so easy. Then he get, ends up giving me a call back a few days later, offers me the job. And then um, right after the national championship in 2020, when we ended up winning, um, I left straight from Miami and flew to Arizona and kind of have been full go since. So uh, it was a pretty crazy story. And, you know, especially for, for my time and the head coaches I was around at Alabama, I always thought, you know, it would be somebody that I knew and spent time with at Alabama that, I, that would end up getting me to leave, um, not somebody uh, that I'd never met or known. Um, but you know, I think it couldn't have worked out better and it's a really, really cool story. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for Ted Rath for introducing us and, and, uh, and giving me the opportunity and for everything he did that, so I could have this chance. Cause, uh, it's been, it's been pretty awesome so far.
0: Cause otherwise maybe you're still
1: still at Alabama
0: as an assistant. So and sometimes dudes do that for
1: long time. Yeah. That's um... so it was, a, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really cool story. Um, And, you know, fortunate to get the opportunity, so. And just, uh, and touching on that, like how
0: quick you bounce from, okay, I'm in Alabama, now I live in Arizona. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's it's different. Right. For sure. Tucson is different than (laughs) where you're from. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't mind it. I think it's fine. Um, (laughs)
1: It's not Scottsdale. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Scottsdale is, there's good, there's pros and cons of both. Uh, But you just bounce, hey, I'm going to go across the country. I'm going to go from the south. Obviously, I'm out here on the west coast now. You have a girlfriend. Um, how does that work? Like, and for people listening, because it's like a, you're, it's kind of this carny life where it's like, hey man, here's where I'm gonna live now. Here's where I'm gonna go. So like, if you're married or you want to have a family or do these things, you're basically. My wife is the same way. She's in a prison, right, with me. She's <laughs> fucked. You know, and and like I could drop this and do something else. Sure, I go, but she's in this as much as I am. Right, and whether your significant other realizes that or not like they're in a prison with you right? and there's nothing they can do. Is that a tough conversation? How does, how do you, how do you
1: navigate that? Um, fortunate for me, uh, Kristen's actually very supportive um, in everything. She always has been. I mean, she's kind of been with me since the beginning. So she kind of knows the, like col- in college. Yeah. So she knows, she, she knows the uh, the demands of this job and, you know the demands hourly and daily and weekly of of how how much I have to be up there and around and then plus just um you know like you said at any time the 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 job the location could change and i think fortunate for us uh we ended up in arizona because she definitely she's from florida and she loves warm weather and oh, yeah. and doesn't she was just keeping her fingers crossed that it wasn't uh, somewhere in the Northeast or North that oh, was like, cold. You're at Northwestern. Right. Boston College. <laughs>
0: Someone would suck.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she was, uh, she was pretty happy and uh, pretty easy move for her, um, considering it was warm weather, nice, pretty good location. So. Oh, yeah. U of A is like the, the it's, it's super for people who have never been, like,
0: Tucson's way nicer than like when I first moved here. People in Scottsdale will sometimes talk shit about it, I'm like, "Oh, it's Tucson." <laughs> but I, again, if I was a college kid, I would for surely
1: go there. Yeah, well, looks- look, come 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 visit it. I I'll tell you this: I'd never been there uh, prior to accepting the job, and you know, it's been it's been a phenomenal experience this past year, and it is definitely a place that grows on you. I feel like the more you're there, and everybody I talk to say it's like got a ninety. 90- percent retention rate once you come out and go to school there come live there yeah you, uh, you uh, end up never leaving so
0: yeah I've never heard anybody and we have a ton obviously a ton of people here who went to school there I've never heard anybody be like oh it sucked right I didn't have fun right not one person so uh I guess since you run the show there now in terms of the strength and conditioning stuff um what pieces do you take like from playing at, at Bama and then like obviously working there like how much does that influence what you do obviously like you're under a strength coach forever. I'm sure, you're like, you know, we all do this. Like, I steal stuff from David Jack, and I put it into my own stuff. I'm sure you do the same. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I would say, like, foundationally, like, the culture piece is definitely a lot from Alabama, um, just in terms of the attention to detail, the the, the daily process, um, and daily improvement is definitely a lot of Alabama stuff. Um, and then just, you know, I, I, was, I was really, really fortunate to be around some great people um, at Alabama, with Coach Cochran, um, who was my head strength coach while I played and then I worked for, and then and then Coach Ballou, who's there now, who's, um, you know, I feel like I was fortunate to be around two of the best in the business. Um, and so I would say just a lot of the things we do were definitely, you know, a variation of things I learned through them and then just my own philosophy and beliefs. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, you know, a lot you're, you're a lot of times your, your experiences Um, and things you went through. And I was really, really fortunate to be around two of the best, for sure. And when you're talking to,
0: like, these kids, um, even maybe some of the coaches that, like, obviously work for you now, because of, like, your resume, like, hey, I played at Alabama. I won these national championships. Like, I was part of this team. Is there a certain kind of just, like, there's a
1: buy-in there because of that or, like, you got a little swag? I think so. I think people are more more, uh, more often not going to listen when you've had success because they want that same success mo- most often for them. So I think it does give you a little credibility um, having seen um, what it takes and what it looks like to have uh, success and what it looks like to win championships and what it looks like to be a part of those things. So I feel like there's definitely some credibility there. I would imagine
0: because if I'm a kid and I'm – you know, again – I was, we're dudes. Dudes are stupid. Um, so if you get these dudes you're you know, 18, 19, like oh, I'm the fucking man, like everybody, you know, and everybody had the juice in high school and then they're coming into this program. Right. And if you're the guy like, hey, I'm your strength coach. Uh, you know, I played at Prairie View A&M and we were, you know, 0 and 15. Right. That's a little different ring than like, oh, he was at Alabama. I'm sure some of these kids are like okay, fuck, maybe the dude knows what he's talking about. Right. Which, th- it doesn't correlate. It's like it's like in fitness. If you're super shredded, oh, this guy knows everything, right. which is bullshit. And just because you were there doesn't mean you know everything. I right. go, but right. there is something to be said about that. Right. And I'm sure you feel it too.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, you know, I think more so than just uh, the Alabama piece, I think I was fortunate to be around some great coaches. Um, and I think the great coaches are some of the things that uh, – that have kind of been instilled in me that are that, that give me the wisdom and knowledge that I have that, that I'm able to offer some of these kids. And then, you know, I think the cherry on top is that it was at Alabama and we won championships and that you have, like, the result and the success to be able to show along with that. But I think just the actual things that I learned from the day-to-day, from the programming, from all those things, from the coaches that I was surrounded with at Alabama and even, obviously, Coach Saban and all those pieces – I think those are all the pieces that give me some of the wisdom and knowledge that I have uh, uh, to be able to offer these kids, uh, along with my own just experiences, um, and then the championships. Obviously, like I said, are just a a bonus that that kind of forego that. So,
0: well, yeah, for the average person too, because like when we, whenever I load, I'll load this later today. And I'll um, I'll write it in the the show notes, and I'll I'll put University of Arizona, right? Alabama. It's like when people ask you, like, "Oh, I played football. Oh, where'd you play at? Alabama." It's like a different, right? They're like, "Oh fuck!" Like it's just it's it's different thing. I don't know how to like, and I'm not a, I could care less. I'm like, but when you just hear certain things, it's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's different." So is so if you're playing off the two, because obviously you've been at both. Um, what's the di- obviously the culture there is already created. Like you're just you're you played in it you walked into it it's this thing that's been going on for, god knows how long like when does when did Saban actually come back there 2009? like 2000 I think it was 2007 was it yeah yeah because it was LSU then the Dolphins, Dolphins and then, there. And then yeah. there okay so then but even before that Alabama's like it's not a shit program right like it's been good for. It's like the Packers. Right. I fucking hate to say that. But I'm like, they've been good. Like, who gets Brett Favre and then gets Aaron fucking Rodgers? Right. Like, how unfair is, like, <laughs> Lord, like, why? what What did we do? Anyways, so they've been good forever. So that culture's already created. You're coming into one where the culture is not the same. Right. i say that positively. And I just mean that because, like, the, the, the legacy of Arizona football is not – it's not Clemson, it's not Alabama, it's not right. Auburn – how, what is the biggest difference, like you see when you show up? Because you guys basically have like a clean slate, or you're just you're picking up the pieces from what the last program did. Right. How do you, how do you try to instill the same things there from the ground up? I'm sure the head coach obviously is right. a huge part of it.
1: Um, yeah, I would definitely say, uh, you know, Coach Fish is a huge part of it, and everything that he wants to instill and 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 put it in the culture he wants to build. Um, and I would just say, you know. Trying to take it day by day. I, I think, you know, Alabama didn't become Alabama overnight. And nope. it's been, and it's been you know, a year-to-year um, uh, process. And I would say, you know, kind of trying to take that same approach that, like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be Alabama or we're not going to be, you know, Ohio State in a year or in a week or in a month. But just, you know, constantly trying to improve and adapt and evolve and, and make our culture the best that it can be um, with our circumstances. So, you know, I think it's uh, a, a yearly process of trying to instill uh, our, our beliefs and our values into the kids and the kind of kids we develop and the, and the kind of coaches we have in the program and, you know, getting buy-in and support uh, from the university and from all the people in Tucson and the fans and, the, and, and, and just building uh, the culture and, and, that, and that team the best we can. Because they're both college towns. Right. Which is the cool thing. But obviously there's
0: a difference between some of these programs in terms of like the money. Right. That some of these programs it's a it is it is a pro team. Right. And some of these schools, not that it's they don't care about it, but there's a difference. Right. Where you have donors and donors and donors like just giving away like I mean God knows how. I mean can't even imagine. Right. And now like with these with the deals some of the players get too that has to, it's kind of like the rich get richer, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm a kid and I'm like, well, if I'm the quarterback at Oklahoma versus the quarterback at, you know, Indiana, I'm probably going to get a, more, a better lucrative deal for myself.
1: Right. Is that a weird piece for you guys now? Um, I would say I think that now with NIL, it's, a, it's probably a learning experience for everybody. Um, you know, I would say Arizona has great support. I mean, there's a million people in Tucson, you know, And Arizona has a great fan base. I mean, you look at what the basketball team's doing. You look at what women's basketball did playing in the national championship last year. You look at just all the other sports. I mean, one thing that shocked me, um, having never been to Arizona prior to taking the job, is is you pull in the stadium and it's like national championship drive and you just drive down this, this road and you see softball national championships. You see baseball. You see basketball. And you and so Arizona has a great history and tradition with a lot of sports, and it's just like just getting people to b- believe and buy into that from the football side of things. Uh, I think I think the the amount of success we can have is kind of limitless. It's just you know we're in the process of of laying that foundation and getting people to believe in it and buy in it, buy into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's obviously differences between, you know, your Oklahoma's and your, and your other schools or this school and, you know, that school. But I think, you know, it's all about, you know, there's, like I said, there's a million people in Tucson or if people buy in and believe in what Arizona's doing, then, you know, I think the resources that our players could have is kind of unlimited. It just depends on how many people are willing to buy in and believe and and, and, you know, support, support the players, support our team and, you and help us become great. And for the um, like the NIL deals with these kids, is there like a department that like? Yeah, so I think it, like I said, it's kind of lo- a learning process that yeah. even the NCAA is working through. So you know, I think we're working on having like an NIL department and 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 giving these kids the like I said, everything is is a work in progress with this because it's also new. But giving these kids the 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 most support around them as we can, as everybody's kind of trying to work through this.
0: And for people who are listening who don't know, this is essentially where. These kids can get paid.
1: Right. Yeah. End of the yeah, day. Basically. So
0: you get this dynamic where maybe you get a kid who's eighteen who just signed a deal for a million bucks and you're the lowest assistant making thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> right.
1: Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah. I mean it's gotta like I mean, it's it's you know, like you said earlier, it's it's almost pro sports, uh, you know. So it's it's definitely the college sports is changing. Um and uh, you just gotta be able to adapt and evolve with it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like how it plays
0: out. Like I'm a fan of it obviously. Like if it, I mean, you, I hear the arguments both ways. Right. But these things generate like right. billions with the right. B dollars. And I don't know, it's tough, man, cuz I would be I can say it now cuz I'm older. Like I would be a good steward of like someone gave me 5 million bucks today. Like my life isn't going to change at all. But at 18 if someone gives me a million dollars, <sighs> it's different. Yeah, I could see me being an asshole real quick. Yeah, and doing some real stupid stuff. Right. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, I'll get you out of here in a minute. How do you um? How do you balance your uh, like work life, personal life, home life? Is there a balance? Is there any like? Is there certain times of the year you try to do certain things, or when you go home? Is there like a hard stop on stuff? And, and what is the kind of day to day like now? Like, what time do you get there? What time do you, you typically leave?
1: Um, I don't know if there's a a balance. Uh, like if you put it on a scale, i mean it's not gonna be it's not gonna sit even um, i'm am f- familiar, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's more so just uh you know shifting your focus depending on where you are and what you're doing um you know, I would definitely say obviously if you if, if it was on a balance scale, you know it definitely consumes a lot of my time, energy, and effort um you know a typical day, depending on what time like. You know our the way the way our my schedule works is is it depends on the time of year, right? So if we're in the off season, I'm full go. That's I, I'm I, like during this time right now, um, you know I'm full swing. So you know we're typically lifting like I said four times a week. You know our first lift groups at six thirty. I'm usually there by four thirty. You know reviewing, going through everything. Um, you know making sure everything's set, making sure I'm organized and detailed to meet with my staff at five thirty. Uh, we set up. Then we start that first lift group at 6:30. Then we'll have three, we'll have four lift groups um, throughout the day, and we'll usually wind down with that last lift group um, and be finished by about 3:30 or 4 o'clock. Then we break down the weight room, clean. You know, I decompress, look through, look back through our numbers, um, and you know, do we have staff meeting? Do we have a team meeting? Do we have any afternoon meetings? Um, and then usually I try to get a lift in at some point. Um, usually mine, mine ends up happening at the end of the day, unfortunately, just because you know, it's either wake up earlier and get there before 4.30 and do it or do it at the end of the day. So I've been, I've been on the end of the day trying to squeeze in, um, get as much as I can in at the end of the day. Um, and then, uh, you know, typically don't get out of there sometimes in, in the off season until six, 6.30, 5.30, somewhere in that range. Uh, and then, you know, go home, enjoy time with uh, Kristen and, you know, eat dinner and then relax for a couple hours and then hit the bed and go back and do it all again the the next day. And that's usually what, you know, basically from January to March or April looks like. Um, And then May we get – May is, you know, probably timed perfectly because we get uh, three to four weeks in May to kind of get some downtime and recharge and then get ready to do it again in the summer. Um, So kind of the same schedule for June and July. Uh, Maybe get out of there a little bit earlier on some days in the summer. Um, just because uh, the coaches are usually on the road recruiting in July, so we usually don't have too much afternoon stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, once the season hits, you know, some days you may not have to be up there quite as early, but I'm typically there by about six thirty, seven o'clock at the latest. And then, you know, we have practice and don't get off the field till 6, 6.30, you know, get home by about 7. So it's uh, – it's uh, you know, it's your a lot, life. It's a lot of hours. It's a, it's, it's definitely my life. And I think you have to have somebody around you that knows that and supports you and, and can handle those those demands and those hours. But, you know, I would say it's also probably one of the most rewarding jobs. And, you know, I don't even honestly, I don't even like calling it a job. I, it's, it's like I get to show up and I wear gym shorts and a t shirt and and hang out in a weight room with football players. Like, you know, it. it, it it's not too bad. <laughs> no. It could be worse. Right. Uh but for people,
0: it is your life. Right. It's everything. So when you're when you train, like what do you train a couple
1: of days a week now? Like how do you Um I try to go four days, um yeah. up or lower. Um take Wednesday as a recover active recovery day. Um and then you know, if I'm around on a Saturday or Sunday I might, you know, get a little extra in, or if I come up to Scottsdale, I might get a Sunday MetCon in, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Today wasn't too bad. No. <laughs> So, like, when you're – I guess
0: for the people listening, like – well, I'll ask this question first. Since, obviously, you've been through it and now you're, like, you have a team, to the younger people who are in your stuff, like, the lowest guys you got or if you have, like, interns or you get GAs and stuff, do you ever be like, hey, bro? Like, if you love it, it's worth it because I'm sure sometimes they have to look at you like – Bro, what the fucking what? What are we doing?
1: Right. No, I mean, I like being honest. I went through a few times where I didn't like I questioned if it was worth it. So I can fully understand people who, who are you know in the middle of the, of the grind, in the middle of the of trying to make it um, out of the intern or GA or whatever role or the lower level lower level lower level role. Um, you know, I definitely can understand it because there was definitely times where I questioned if it was something I really wanted to do. And I just kind of stuck with it, and you know, I would definitely say the reward and just the, you know, it's it, it becomes fun. The once you once you just recognize that it is demanding, it is it, once you recognize all the things that that this that this career asks of you, I think you just you know you you understand it and you move forward with it and it becomes fun. Um, and you really start to enjoy it. Because, like I said, you could be doing a lot of other things, but, you know, I get to show up in a weight room every day and, and hang out with 18- to 22-year-old kids. And it keeps you young. It's fun. I mean, and to be honest, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. So I think uh, once you get out of the some of those tougher spots, you start to see the reward and the benefit, and it, it, becomes, a, it becomes a lot of fun for sure
0: yeah and obviously like you love to do it where you're gonna have to work anyway right but i think for a lot of people who are listening they see it from the outside as this thing that's overly glamorous and there is parts of it for sure but waking up at four sucks and leaving at six sucks and working on the weekends and basically having to consume your brain all the time like it's a lot for people yeah and i say the same thing here people where it's like hey i want to get into fitness. And I'm like, well, do it because you love it, bro. Like, yeah, you can make a bunch of money if you do certain things. I'm like, but that's not why I started. And especially if you're going to run your own shit, because I'm like, it will be your life every single day. And there's really no, there's no exit strategy, really. Right. Which
1: that's, it's
0: hard when you're 22 and you're like, oh, fuck, man, I don't know if this is for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that was kind of my situation is, is like, I saw the glamour. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I definitely, now don't get me wrong. I loved it and I loved a lot of the pieces of it, but I didn't, I don't think a lot of people when you're younger fully understand the demands and, and everything of it. And I just saw probably the glamor of it. I didn't see the true demands of it on a day to day, week to week basis. And so when I got in the middle of those demands, I had to make a decision. Do I love this enough to keep going? Or am I going to, you know, choose a different path And, you know, once I kind of realized that, hey, these are the demands, this is how I got to manage it, this is how I got to, you know, deal with it. Um, And I just put my head down and continued working and, and just, you know, basically just understood all of the demands and everything that's asked of you. It became fun. And because it's truly a passion and it's truly something I love and I wasn't chasing the financial gain, I was chasing just the love and the passion of of, of of the job and being involved with the team and being involved with these kids and being able to, you know, pour into them and develop them. And, and that became the fun part. So when it's as close to being an athlete
0: as right. we're probably going to get right. So it's, it's <laughs> the, it's the extension of it for sure. Right. And if you're lucky enough, like to find somebody who's going to deal with this bullshit schedule, like I can't emphasize that enough. I don't think like I always say my wife is a saint for, and again, like she gets to reap the benefits of it too, but she's had to eat shit right. with me yeah. for a long time and be like, you're still there. Uh-huh. Like it's Sunday. We're here. Right. We're not hanging out with them. Right. Like, and you're going to go to work tomorrow. Right. And the next day and the next day and the next day when they see everybody else, when my friends are doing this and they're doing this, I'm like, well, that's not my
1: job. Right. This is what we do here. Right. So, yeah, you got a gift there too, dude. Yeah, you there's got, no doubt. Um, you know, I definitely win there um, because I don't think – I definitely don't think people understand that because, you know, I'll still be up there and it's, you know, 6, 7 o'clock at night and it's like, you know, then you, t- then you come to the weekends and it's like, oh, you got to go up there again. And it's like, yep, you know, it just – it's kind of never-ending. But it's like if you don't have somebody that understands that and can accept that and be supportive of that, it's going to make your life a lot more miserable. So I'm definitely fortunate in that aspect to have somebody that supports me and, and you know, is a great support and encourager behind me for sure. So if you kids are listening out there and this
0: is the life you want to do, just be transparent with your partner because – they're signing up for a prison that I don't know if they, I don't know if <laughs> get they ready. understand whether it's for Get ready.
1: <laughs> That's all I could tell you. Get ready.
0: Um, if we ask this, cause I'll ask this too. Um, if people are listening, like how do these, how do people get strong? You know, you're the strength guy. Like if you there's a dude listening and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to play in division one football. He's not going right. to play in the NFL. If you were to say like, Hey, here's the things I would focus on. If my goal was just to be, to be functionally just stronger? Is there – I'm talking like base level stuff. If there's a handful of lifts or movements that you would tell someone to focus on. Because like you know dudes going to the gym. Monday is chest day. Tuesday is – but that's not the protocol for – bodybuilding style works. I right. love it. I love all the bro shit too. But for most people if you're not there 7 days a week, it's not the most efficient way to train. Right. Like what would you like I'm sure you have friends who ask you right. or like buddies who probably don't have a background in anything so you're not going to be like, "Oh, do cleaning jerks all that." Right. Cuz like, they don't know <laughs> what the fuck they're doing.
1: How what would you tell them? Um, I would say honestly, you know, my approach is, is it's not always about what you do, it's how you do it and how often you do it. I mean, You know, I can give you a great program, but if you show up and do it two times a week, you're not going to make too much progress. Um, And I would say just uh, the consistency of anything you do is going to lead to you getting stronger, more so than necessarily what you do. Now, obviously, there's, uh, you know, strategies and being smart about what you're doing. But, you know, the most important thing is, is like being consistent with it and, you know, not going for one week or two weeks and thinking, hey, in two weeks I'm going to – I'm going to be, I'm going to make all the gains I want to make. So I'd say number one is, hey, let's, let's make sure we're going consistently. Um, And then for me, you know, I, I, I'm more of just keep it simple and be basic. You know, I like traditional just barbell squat bench, um, you know, a lot of road, like for me, I do three to one pulls to push. So we're going to, I'm going to do a lot more back work than I am pressing work. Three Um, to one, really?
0: Yeah. We always try to do, well, we,
1: it's a group setting here. It's general population. So we
0: like say two to one is at least a good.
1: So I I just try to do, so the reps would be more so two to one, but like three exercises to one exercise, uh, pull to push.
0: So if someone's listening, I do a bench press, then you're doing a bent row, face pulls, pull-ups. Right, cool. Like, what's a, like a, what's a normal upper body day, like with you to go, like last week or whatever?
1: Uh, for me or just – For yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, normally what I like to do is, like, I like to do a uh, – like, a heavy day and then, like, more of, like, a dynamic day. Um, so, like, I'll do just, like, your traditional, like, heavy bench, and I'll just vary. You know, I might do a barbell bench. I might do a football bar. I might do floor press, um, something kind of heavy, and then I'll do um, that with some pull-ups, and then I'll do, like, a dumbbell incline with some different row variation – Um, and then I'll do, um, so a buy and a try, uh, and then I'll hit some shrugs and, you know, like I said, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's not going to wow you or blow you away. It's more so just being consistent with it. And then, you know, kind of the same thing on lower body, I'll do a squat, I'll do a pull and then I'll do, you know, I typically like to do a lot of single leg movements, um, Same so, thing with the players too. Yeah, yeah, I'll do so. Like with our with our guys, we typically do three to one um, single unilateral single leg to yep. double leg. So we'll do a lot of pistol squats, single leg RDLs, um, elevated pistols. You know, a bunch of different variations of single leg movements. Um, and then you know our double leg movements are things people have always uh, you know our uh, will be your back squat your you know safety bar back squat you know whatever's easier on the shoulders yeah um, and then so yeah so it's not not anything too complex and you get you have everybody back squat um, at different times of the year so early on well, most most people barbell back squat and then you know as we get closer to the season uh, we transition to more of a safety bar Hatfield type squat or safety bar Hatfield split squat um, so. It's
0: interesting because some, obviously some people the, – the, the protocols are different for right. everybody. Like where – you know Mike Boyle. Right. Like some Mike Boyle's like back squats suck shit. Right. He says the same thing about burpees, which uh, right. I can go back and forth on certain things. Like where they'll do mostly split squats. Right. Like why do you guys like – and again, how you do way more unilateral than like the bilateral stuff. And why is that?
1: Um, I would say just to develop knee strength and stability. Um, just for the nature of the game. You know, a lot of your time is spent or, you know, just trying to, to maintain that lower body strength and, you know, a lot of times you have asymmetries from right to left and that leads to a lot of soft tissue injuries and then just the nature of the sport of trying to be strong um, on, a, on single leg movements because that's what a lot of times shows up on the football field. Um, so like I said, we'll do split squat, we'll do rear elevated squat, we'll do step ups, you know, we'll do a lot of different variations of, of single leg movements, just because that's, what's going to show up and transfer to the football field the most. Um, and that's, what's going to help keep you, um, healthy the most, um, has being able to be strong on one leg. And that's what I
0: would tell anybody who listens. Like you, you, we think we're symmetrical, we're not right. And you do have a dominant arm and a dominant leg hundred percent. Right. And they're a lot of times not even really close right. um, with how strong they are. And I don't think a lot of people, if you only train bilaterally, like that's all you kind of really see. Uh, do you do any uh, conditioning on your own? Like that's like kind of built in.
1: Um, actually, I usually try to lunge most days. M- lunging is usually my conditioning. Oh
0: yeah. Like what's uh like what protocol? Like I, I min- you, time I, minutes?
1: Uh, I usually try to go like 400 meters or 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a day. Oh yeah. Just get out and lunge, uh, listen to a podcast, and usually that's my conditioning. It's just quick and efficient. Or, you know, on the weekends, I have a bike, a ski, and a row. I'll traditionally throw that in there some weekends if I'm at home, at the house, around. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's just, I try to vary it, but I don't do too much just running, just more so just either lunging or like a cardio circuit through a bike, ski, and row.
0: Well, you're a big dude too. That's running is probably not yeah the best I mean, in just in terms of like uh, longevity right. uh, joints as well and it's weird because like arbitrarily like we'll choose people will put on shoes and they'll go run and if you like it and you're you enjoy it I go, it's fine, but to, if we say hey I'm gonna go run for thirty minutes, that's acceptable but if we said, hey I'm gonna do lunges for thirty minutes or step ups for thirty minutes, people look at you like you're crazy right what's the difference right and to me I'm like if you're talking about like what's the bigger bang for your buck like I would argue step ups or lunges right. all day um, so if you give advice to some of the people who we talked about a little bit um, looking to get into this life, like if they want to get into whether it's fitness in general or just kind of the, your strength and conditioning route. Is there what's the best way for them to go about it? If the kids he's in college right now, maybe he's, you know, studying kines or who knows what it is. Right. And he's a senior. What's the, the next step for him? And, and what would you kind of tell him?
1: I would say, or if someone reaches out to you, they send you an email.
0: Hey, man, I want to do what you do.
1: Yeah, um, I would say uh, you know find a, a great place to intern and and get your career started as early as you can. Because uh, you know I faced the decision uh, pretty early on to keep playing uh, uh, football when I was finished at Alabama. I had a I had an opportunity to keep playing whether it be arena or overseas or CFL. I had a few different opportunities. And honestly, I was kind of—I kind of already started in the weight room, and it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 22, 23, um, whatever it was, and I was like, you know, if I go play football, you know, I'm, I, at the end of the day, this is what the career that I want to be in, and I'm going to come back at 27, 28, or 29 and have to be an intern, <laughs> which you know, at that time would have been even more challenging because it was already like I was already hating my life, you know, trying to suffer through being an intern at 22, 23 while well, all my friends, you know, got full-time jobs, were working, making money. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, try to get started as early as you can. Um, try to get uh, – start interning and get experience as early as you can so that you can, you know, work your way through being an intern, being a GA and learning. But I would just say trying to find a great mentor and great coaches to surround yourself with. Because I would say, you know, for me, I was very, very fortunate to be around some really, really good coaches and really good people um that are a big part of why i feel like i got the opportunity that i did and a big part of i feel like why i've had the success i've had is because of the coaches that have been or, that i've been around um, so i would say you know start interning ga getting those experiences as early as you can and then every chance you get learn grow read um go meet with other coaches go 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 you know shadow other coaches and just basically entrench yourself in it as much as you can. Cause I mean, once you get in, in a role, like that's what your life's gonna be. So go ahead and start preparing yourself for that and putting yourself in those situations and just build those relationships. Cause essentially, you know, you know, Ted Rath is the one who was fortunate enough to give me this job is a relationship. And so just build those relationships. So when opportunities come, people think of you for those opportunities. Um, so that's kinda, that's kinda my little bit of advice. Well, and that's always,
0: it always baffles me too when people, like, if we live through the last couple of years, hey, let's just do everything on Zoom. And I'm like, you don't build relationships on Zoom, dude. Right. Like, you would not be here if you weren't with these people and, like, been surrounded by them forever. I'm like, that's where where relationships do happen. As amazing as technology is and digital, I'm like, there is something to be said about waking up at four o'clock in the morning with somebody and eating shit with them for for obviously years. Right. If I'm going to ask that quick, what, how long would you guess is the average span before somebody gets into a role like yours? Like, cause some, obviously it differs. Yeah. Um, so like you graduate college, how long until you can be the dude?
1: Um, you know, I would say it's really, probably really different for a lot of people. Um, and you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, for me, I was fortunate. I played, you know, I started interning immediately after I played, and then got an assistant role, but I mean, there's guys that you know jump around from assistant to assistant for 10, 15 years, and then, you know, on the back end of their career, find a head spot. Um, you know, I would say I was very fortunate enough uh, to get a, a head spot this early, um, which doesn't isn't really typical. I mean, most I'm um, one of the younger head strength coaches, especially at a bigger power five school. Um, so, uh, you know, it varies. I think it, it's, it determines by who you surround yourself with, the relationships you build, um, and how, you know, dedicated you are to your craft and to, and to doing what you do. Um, you know, cause there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot that like, there's a lot of strength coaches out there. There's a lot of universities, uh, there's a lot of universities that have assistant strength coaches. There's a lot of universities that have all these roles, um, you know, so what's going to separate you from all the other assistants in the country? What's going to separate you from all the other heads at smaller schools in the country? So, I would say, you know, you just developing time and energy and effort to your craft and building relationships so when that opportunities come, people think of you and say, hey, this is the best guy for that spot. So, it's kind of, you know, I don't think there's a – I think that's the other challenge is there's not a clear-cut path to, hey, this is the path to become a head strength coach. Everybody's got their own unique path to becoming a head strength coach. Um, i think it's you just trying to be the best at where you are and the best at what you do and developing your craft and your and 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 your relationships on a daily basis and just you know i think if you do that consistently that the right opportunities will come and and you know like for me i, I don't i don't feel like i did anything necessarily to deserve this this opportunity in arizona i just you know was fortunate enough and built a great relationship with the right people and this opportunity came so and for people listening to think
0: it's going to happen in like four or five years probably not right and you got to be willing to kind of just pick up and and yeah. bounce yeah those are the two big things it's going to take you probably way longer than you think and you'll probably end up somewhere where you had no
1: idea you would end up right which uh, is that's crazy too yeah. man I mean I would say any th- if the biggest thing that I've learned through the course of you know this career is just you know patience I was probably one of the more impatient people uh you know my whole life and I think one of the biggest things that I've learned through this career is just patience, um, you know, and I would definitely, if I have any advice, it's just be patient and continue to work and, and just improve on a daily basis and just be patient And the right opportunities. The right things will come your way. If you just continue to work and, and improve daily. I mean, I think for every industry, that's yeah. something for everybody to kind of take away because it's, we all want it to happen overnight and As bad as you want it to. (laughs) It hasn't worked. Because I tell you this, I I probably want it to happen overnight more than anybody. But the more you're in it, you just realize, man, it's not going to happen overnight. You just got to day-to-day try to improve and get better.
0: Well, and now you probably see it because where you're at, there's dudes who are, I imagine, all over the country, way older than you. Right. Who have been in assistance for like a decade. Right. Two decades. There's no doubt. And they're still not in that spot. Yep. So that's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's a tough, um, it's a tough gig. That's why I would tell, like, you really gotta love it, man. Yeah. Like all our friends that are in strength and conditioning, I'm like, yeah, dude, if you love it, bro, <laughs> um, like this there's is there's no way, man. Like I just, and like you guys have this, you have rules. Yeah. Like there's there's no fucking rules here. Right. Like I have no rules. Like yeah. there is, an, this is the wild west where you guys are in. You work for university. Right. Like there's you there's certain things you can and can't say and certain things you can and can't do. Where I'm like. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> kind of crazy you got hours you get, you know, certain hours of the year where we can work with the players certain hours. You can't, you know. Yeah,
0: there's a there's a lot to it's again. This is different. Like yep. I would say they're both di- really difficult to do. Um, but yeah, yours is so it's it's just as hard. But there's just so many protocols too inside of that, which would be tough to navigate. And obviously, you have to manage people, too. Right. Which is a completely different animal. Yeah. Um. If I'll. Last question. I'll get you out of here. Um, do you have a favorite um, like playing memory like that you can think um, maybe it's high school. I'm sure it's college. I would imagine. Yeah. Like where you're like, this is the coolest fucking thing like that. I, I've been a part of that. And I say that for people because like you're never going to get that juice back. Like when you run out like for whatever game, like that's never happening again. Right. When you walk into the weight room, no one's there right. and no one gives a shit. Right. Where like when you run out against like LSU, it's like, oh, fuck. Like, you just feel something different right. probably.
1: Yeah, no, I would say probably the coolest moment was the 2011-2012 National Championship. I mean, that was – I mean, seeing, you know, the work we put in and to, to finish both of those years with the National Championship was probably one of the coolest things I've been a part of. Um, now, all the other National Championships, you know, <laughs> they're just as cool and just as awesome. But, you know, for me, that the things that stick out the most were those first two National Championships I was a, I was a part of. And they give you guys, like, a ring or something? Yeah, I have a few.
0: You don't wear them around?
1: No. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that, like, an asshole thing to do? Uh, just a little too big for me. I keep, them, I keep them put up in the shelf, so. Yeah, but,
0: like, dudes do that.
1: Yeah. Like, they'll no. go
0: to, like, they're, like, you know, they're your financial advisor, and they got their shit hanging <laughs> out there?
1: I have, a I have a, you know, two handfuls, but I, uh, I keep them. I keep oh, because you get them all. Yeah. So, what do you have, four? So, five national championships, five SEC championships,
0: so. That's pretty sick. Yeah, so. So someday when you're, like, old as shit and you're telling people and they're, like, yeah, hey, you're full of shit, dude, and you're, like, you're just walking around with, like, a handful yeah. of things. that'd be pretty tight, man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely unique. Because, again, for people to be part of it once yeah, is so rare. Right. And, like, what did you just sometimes just wake up and be, like, how the fuck did I get to be part of all this stuff? 100% like, every day. Because you could have went to any, right. you know, 10 other schools. Right. And no offense, you wouldn't have won any. Right. Like, there would have been nothing. <laughs>
1: right. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's got to be pretty rare. Yeah, definitely fortunate, and you know, I I think that every day about waking up being the head guy at Arizona, I'm just like, man, (laughs) it's pretty awesome. So could have went a lot other ways. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt.
0: Nice, dude. Um, Where can these guys uh, find you at, or stalk you, or what do you do? What What do you do? Do you have social media? Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm not super active on it. Uh, You know, I try to post a little, a few things uh, here and there of our team and of different things. You know, I have an Instagram uh t zero three four um i believe that's my instagram and my twitter so he if you be- want- he believes that's his instagram <laughs> this is spoken like a true person who has a real job <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not I, like i said i post things uh i'm not super active on them but yeah if you want to check me out i do i do try to post a few videos uh a few videos here and there of our team and of our guys and it's t owens zero three four so if you want to follow Check me out because I would think like that's because who's the guy is it is it
0: John Shackleton is that who it is the guy he's at uh, Villanova he does like the men's basketball like he'll post some stuff and, yeah yeah like I would watch that shit but I'm a fitness right. guy right like a normal person maybe not but again these are fitness people that people listen to a fitness podcast right. I think it would be cool
1: to see some of those things yeah so maybe I, maybe I'll start putting a little bit more content out there for you guys <laughs> yeah but I'm like you guys
0: are working too so right. it's like it's it's, hard. and you do work for a school right. So I'm sure there's certain rules yep. with social media for the kids as well as right. you as well. But yeah, man, this is dope, dude. Um, so when you guys, what's
1: your when you guys start August? Yeah, so uh, we'll open up the season, uh, I believe, uh, the right after the last weekend of August. So we have a pretty uh, should be a fun year. We had a great recruiting class, number one in the Pac-12. Um, no shit. So um, it's it should be a pretty fun year. Now we just got to get there. So is this is the
0: first? Like, year of all your guys' stuff, right? Because you walked um, into or was
1: it last year? So, last year, well, I got there uh, January 2022. Um, uh, excuse me, 2021, sorry. So, this is now The last three years, all the same. Yeah, shape, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, January 2021 was uh, when I got there. So, we just completed our first year. Now we're kind of uh, gearing up for year two. So, but this was our first recruiting class that we were able to get in. We got here last year and the recruiting class was already kind of uh, finished up. So, this is our first recruiting class um, in kind of year two. So, it should be fun. We open up September 10th against Mississippi State. So, SEC team coming out. So, it'll be a fun year. I'll have to come down too. Yeah. And check out um,
0: the facilities are probably pretty nice there. Yeah. We actually,
1: uh, so we're, uh, we completely redid our weight room in May. Um, Brand new racks, floors, you know, we use Elite Form in there um, to track everything. So everything's brand new, Sorenx racks. Um, And then, uh, you know, we're actually this uh, starting in April, we're going to redo the training room, locker room, equipment room, and get a brand new field. So, you know, everything Arizona football is trending in the right direction. So When you got money, you can do cool shit. (laughs) Yeah, there's no doubt. I dig it, man.
0: Um, I appreciate your time, brother. Yeah. This is good awesome. shit. Um, awesome to be a part. I'll put uh, all his stuff in the show notes for you guys. Um, you can check it out. Obviously, um, if you follow U of A football, you'll see what um – What's going on there? Uh, any questions, obviously, just ask as always. Again, reminder, our 30 for 30 challenge is kicking off here in about six days. If you guys want to podcast discount code, hit me up. Obviously, all the other sponsors are in the show notes as well. If you happen to be on Spotify, drop it a five-star. If you're on Apple Podcasts, don't be a lazy ass. Drop it a couple comments. Leave a five-star. I truly would appreciate it. Again, my man, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, all of you guys listening, if you need something, holler at me. Otherwise, until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.